Dear God, you made many, many poor people. I realize, of course, that it's no shame to be poor, but it's no great honor either. So what would have been so terrible if I had a small fortune? We only need to say the name Tevya, and we may suddenly hear strains of If I Were a Rich Man in Our Ears, Tevya, the heart of the hit Broadway musical from 1964, Fiddler on the Roof. Yiddish author and playwright Sholem Aleichem created the character Tevya the Dairyman in a series of stories on which Fiddler was based. Scholar Meyer Wiener is fascinated by Alechem's characters, Tevye, Mottl, the cantor's son, and others. And he tries to get to the heart of Alechem's understanding of life through his humor. Wiener writes, Brave children, when fearful upon entering a dark room at night, sing cheerful songs to themselves. Like most metaphors, this one is only partially applicable, but there is a kind of humor that depends in part on this sort of spunky singing in the dark. So too, in Sholem Aleichem's humor, we find not only laughter and tears, but the sort of merriment that comes from having overcome and tamed the fear of chaos, the fear of a maimed, confused, and falsely ordered life. This conquest of fear of the tragic in life ennobles and deepens humor, lending it an aspect of nobility. Sholem Aleichem presented the poverty of the great masses of Jews in the shuttle and city, but without yielding to the spirit of depression and lament. The Tsarist pogroms were the culmination of horror and dread in the lives of the Jewish masses, Sholem Aleichem was very shaken by these occurrences. It is, therefore, remarkable to note how he handled this subject in his work. Meyer Wiener continues, Sholem Aleichem's comical, ironic pathos is immeasurably more realistic and more humane than many of his contemporaries. Its deepest assumption is a faith in the progress of the human race, a hope for a better, more intelligent social order, he exhorted his readers to strive, hopefully, not to submit to the obstacles before them, but to grasp hold of life, to work, and demand their due. Sholem Aleichem's art stirs the conscience because it is addressed to that which is most human in our humanity and is imbued with faith in humankind and its future. It diverts us from a fruitless fear and guides us toward a purer, vital spirit, toward that crucial striving for a better sort of life. Here, too, Sholem Aleichem's humor is ennobling and purifying. Words from the essay on Sholem Aleichem's humor by Meyer Wiener. It seems fitting the Performance Works Factory Theater in Nuremberg will throw open its doors after 18 months in the dark with Fiddler on the Roof, opening June 18th, inviting us to follow Tevya as he tries to make sense of the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune. John Sugard, longtime actor, director, and playwright is Tevya, and Phyllis Colombo, co-founder of DM Performance Works, directs the production. 
We had a chance to speak with them by phone about the show, but we began with John's sense of the impact of the pandemic on him and the regional theater community. And we also learned from Phyllis about the company. It was such a jolt. I mean, for me personally, and I'm sure for a lot of us, because we'd been, you know, used to running pretty hard, and many of us were working on multiple productions, doing more than one one production at the same time, and then everything stopped. A switch got flipped, and it all stopped, and we all suddenly had to stay home. And I know for me, and I think for a lot of other people, it was such an adjustment because it was a different world, not the world we were used to. I know for us and our company... We spent some time, we, I wrote a play specifically for Zoom. I wrote a play that was a Zoom conference, and we all did that. And the main reason to even do it, other than I was intrigued as a writer by just how is it possible to write a play for Zoom, but then we all did it more to keep our muscles firm than anything else, just to, to, keep, to keep doing it. Coming back has been a slow transition because it's the same thing. We were, all, we were all used to staying at home, so being able to come back to the theater and find the groove again of building the sets and focusing the lights and getting the costumes ready and finding the props. And then for me, learning lines again and learning songs and everything, it's all, it's almost like a shell opening. I don't know, a flower unfolding is the other image that comes to mind as we slowly find ourselves again. Tell us a little bit about the company. The company in itself, we're located outside of Hazleton in the little town of Nuremberg. So we love to attract as many people to come to this lovely little town as possible. It's only seven miles from Hazleton. And it seems that our area uh, attracts families and senior citizens sector that enjoy bringing to the stage plays that are known. And then we have our other audience that loves to experiment with newfound plays and Uh, avant-garde plays that we do sometimes on the side. But the big musical, it's kind of so uplifting. I remember there was a saying in Kentucky where people love to go to Kentucky, this was years ago, because there's gambling, booze, tobacco, and fielding good. (laughs) And taking away the first three, we still want to make our audiences feel good. And I think that's why they come to see live shows and the demographics of this area are such that people want to have a little escape, and they've been denied that for, what, a year and a half now. It's been 18 months since we opened, and we want to give them that again. What kind of a place do you present these pieces in? It is a bona fide theater. Years and years ago, it was a church, then it became a factory, and then it was transformed into a theater. So the seating is pitched. It's a full stage. We have an excellent sound system, beautiful lighting system. Uh, We just remodeled all of the lobby area, and it's beautiful. Uh, It's a hidden gem in a little town that you would never think existed. It's not a, a black box theater. It's not a theater in the round. It's bona fide seating. And it transforms you. You're uh, like in a grand movie theater, except the actors are there live before you. We don't have uh, a thousand seats. We have usually about 100, 150 seats. So it kind of is an intimate gathering of people, if you will, as opposed to a large theatrical event. So we can really get personal with the audience. We started out 
years back as another company and then broke away. And uh, my daughter found this little gem. And Joelle wanted to do children's plays and give children and youth the opportunity to find their love of stage and theater. And we use our dance studio to help that and support that, and one works hand-in-hand with the other. So when the children get up on stage, it's kind of magical. But we don't want to slide the adults, so we want to give enough adult shows during the year that everyone can enjoy the magic of theater. You made the decision to launch again and reopen. How is it that you chose Fiddler on the Roof as the piece to do that with? Well, we had wanted to do Fiddler, and it was on our schedule, and we were already paid to do it uh, last year when we had to shut down. We shut down Tech Week of doing a children's production of Susical, and Fiddler was on the schedule, and we thought it would be very appropriate to present Fiddler. Besides it being one or not the favorite play of mine, I had done it before years ago and had been in it at one time, and it's it's just so apropos to what's happening in the world today, and if you take it in a different light, uh, you know, during the czarist Russia and all of the pogroms that were happening around the time of Fiddler, it, it kind of transcends itself into future times and present times. It has its joyous moments and very, very sad moments, and when Shlom wrote the Yiddish version, he wrote it right at the time when the czars were coming down on all of the Jewish settlements and so forth. But to see it being overcome, uh, I think it's going to be very uplifting for the audience, and it's something that the actors can really dig their teeth into as far as characterizations. And besides, it's a very popular play, so that was a win-win situation. We have a lot of interest stirring in Fiddler on the Roof because it hasn't been done much around this area at all. So those were kind of some of the reasons why we wanted to do it first. I wanted to ask you as a director about the balance. We get Tevi up there on Mm -hmm. the roof and he talks about being in balance and so forth. How do you strike just the right balance between the warmth of the family story and not getting too sentimental? How are you working in that way to prevent also stereotypes? It could be. It could be. Well, first of all, we have to stick to the script, but it's how the wording is presented, the voice inflections and so forth. And I've asked John to bring out a little bit more of the humorous side of Tevia to show people that there are humorous sides to every situation, and there's that silver lining that if we dig deep enough, we can find. And I like to sit down my cast and explain to them the background of when this was written, when Sholem wrote the Tevia, the Dairyman books. He had a series of books, which is where this play is taken from. In the same frame, as I said, we've interjected the humorous moments and the loving moments, showing a different character rather than just being historical, but showing an emotional side of the ups and downs of being in poverty all of your life and wanting more, but accepting what God has given you. And that's kind of what this story is about. It's about how tradition is changed and why tradition is changed, because 
people are more educated all the time. And I think it was a time of lack of education that kept people in the doldrums. And when Tevye assigns that there are other things in life, he bends so far, but then refuses to bend further towards the end. Well, John, what do you make of Tevye? How have you been wrestling with who he is? Now, Phyllis told us about emphasizing the humor. For me, the real wrestling with Tevye comes from my cultural background as opposed to his. You know, all of us, you and me and Phyllis and all, we've uh, been growing up in post-World War II America. I think that's been my hardest adjustment, is getting used to how much of Tevye's life and everyone's life in the village and, of course, his expectations for his daughters are out of his own hands. He met his wife on their wedding day. Their marriage was arranged. I would assume it was the decision of his parents. The script never never overtly says so, but I would assume his parents decided that he would become a milkman, either because his father was a milkman or or that opportunity became available. But, you know, at 10, Tevye was pretty much told, you're going to learn how to take care of cows and become a milkman and, and repair your cart. So all of these decisions were made for him. And that my modern mind has had a lot of trouble adjusting to that, that idea that Tevye didn't choose this life, and that doesn't bother him, and he accepts that, that this is simply tradition. And I think most importantly, trying to get in touch with the sense of security that brings to a person in that real sense that I know what my job is. I know what my daily chores are. I know what my life is because it was all determined for me. And now I simply live that life to, to, to the best I can. And of course, uh, a major part of the play's plot is Tevia trying to ensure that his daughter's will have a good life by choosing the right husbands for them and and trying to lay out a lay out a path for them that will lead them to uh, hopefully a better life than he has. John, we mentioned the word wrestling as you've been wrestling with bringing Tevye to life. What about Tevye's sparring partner, God? His interchanges with Yahweh are are <laughs> I mean a lot of it is is complaining, of course. But it's always, why did you do this? Why did you hurt my horse? Why did you, you know, why did you bless me with daughters and a life of poverty and everything else? He never says God's will be done. Like that, that phrase never really comes out of his mouth. But it's clearly front and center in his head the whole time. You know, my, my circumstances will change when God changes them. So he prays a lot. He prays for his son-in-law to get a showing machine at the start of Act 2. At one point, he literally tells God how to take care of his daughter when one of his daughters is leaving the village. It's a, it's a tremendous amount of faith, but I guess what, what, always, what, what always makes it hard for me is that sense that he puts all that responsibility in God's hands and almost expects things to happen magically. And then he complains when, of course, he's still poor because it didn't happen that way. And John, is he someone who is on the horns of a dilemma where, on the one hand, on the other hand, he tries to find that balance, doesn't he? Yeah. Well, in the end, he he acknowledges several times that he has to allow his daughters to make the decisions that will make them happiest. And in a real sense, he has to allow his daughters to make their own mistakes. 
I think that's that is a really, really, really hard decision for him. You know, a, a hard place for him to arrive at mentally because you know his parents provided his life to him, and while he complains about it, the thought of changing it never crosses his mind. I'm a milkman. I live in Anateska. This is my life that God gave to me. Uh, so when his daughters try, you know, when his daughters decide to forge their own path really without his input at all, that's a bigger struggle for him than it would be for, for a modern father. So as, as you know, and anyone who knows Fiddler on the Roof knows, he goes through that dilemma several times with each daughter. You know, on the one hand, I think I know what's best for her, but on the other hand, she, would, she loves this person and would be much happier with, with this other person. Tell us about the music and what's one of the songs that you particularly value having a chance to sing? Mm. The music, just speaking as a vocalist, I find the music very comfortable. The music is very comfortable to sing, and it's very... The music is a very good foundation to aid portraying the character and showing what the character's feeling. You know, the music doesn't fight that. The music facilitates that. Because when you're singing, you're still acting and you're still portraying this person. And the music facilitates the portrayal as opposed to, uh, I think a lot of people have done musicals where the music imposes itself on the portrayal and tries to take over. Where here the the music seems, seems to flow very naturally from the scenes and you don't lose character. I think the song that, <laughs> I'm sure this will surprise some people, the song that I I've enjoy, I'm enjoying learning the most and I think is going to be in an odd way, the most fun for me as an actor is Little Havala because there is so much emotion behind that because that is such a, a powerful moment for that character and, and that's a, a very powerful emotional moment for Tevia, which I think will make performing the song for me a lot more fun because I enjoy those kind of moments. To uh, reiterate on the music, I feel that Fiddler has some of the most beautiful music that was ever written. Jerry Bach really, really did a wonderful job with it, and the orchestrations are just gorgeous. You know, you have Sabbath prayer, you have sunrise, sunset, uh, then you have the lively to life and tradition, and if I were a rich man, and then you have the emotional ending, Anatevka, where they're leaving their town. It just, it, it adds so much emotion, I think, to the show. And a director has, I think that the hardest job of a director is casting. And I, I was blessed with such a talented cast that even at the first music rehearsal, uh, Holly Baker is our music director for this show, and she was impressed. Uh, I sat there in tears hearing the harmonies that they were able to do on one practice and I hope they bring that to the stage <laughs> because the, the music just adds so much to this show. And of course, we know Jerome Robbins was key in the original Broadway production. So how about choreography? Oh, choreography has been a challenge because it's quite different from the usual. I think the, the newest director that just did the latest Broadway revival took it to a wonderful step Whereas Jerome Robbins directed 
the original fiddler and choreographed it, and he was very historically accurate. He has a certain flair with it, but the latest edition, the choreography was just so unique to that era of Jewish faith, and we tried to bring some of those moves to the stage. I think we're going to be successful with that to bring out the best dancing possible on the stage for the two big dance numbers, the wedding and the two life number, and of course the famous bottle dance. So it's been quite a challenge. Tell us about the set. Uh, set, we're using a brown, tan, black theme throughout costuming and the entire show to replicate the mud that they lived in in Anatevka and the Russian background. We don't have a fly space in our theater, so we have to be very creative. But I think John, as our technical director also at this theater, has helped me create a set that's going to work and use the pieces. I don't want to say black box because it's not black box at all, but it's a simplistic set. I want the actors to shine as opposed to the scenery. What about the portrayal of women and how are you helping them round out their characters? Uh, we have playing John's wife, Joelle Whitner, my daughter, who stepped in to play the role. She's played it before, and not as her mother, but as a director, she's extremely versatile. And John and Joelle play extremely well off of each other. So I'm not worried about that. The daughters are much of the show itself, it centers around his actually three of five daughters, and they are all well-seasoned actresses and vocalists that have been wanting this show and wanting these roles for ages, which helps in creating magic on stage. They're lighthearted, they're young, they lack the experience of living in poverty. However, they've been able to portray that through some coaching and so forth. And we have a couple others in the cast that are really grasping it. We have one of our male cast members who's absolutely wonderful at characterizations. His name is Dave Zimmerman. And he has just brought so much to the show as far as characterization. He's very easy to direct. He brings out exactly what I'm looking for. And we have some other well-seasoned people like Jim Micklow and Zachary Sesaka playing other roles that just bring the whole thing together. It's definitely a male show. And I, I'm really happy with what we have to work with. Bringing the characterization out has been quite easy when you give them the background. A lot of people don't know that in the stories of Tevi and the Dairyman, that all five of Tevi's daughters and his wife die some type of tragic death throughout the years, and he's left alone with money in his older years. So it's kind of, he got what he wanted, but what did he lose? And I, I look at him and I think of Job in the Bible. You know, God took away everything and, and then started to build him back up. And that's kind of been Teddy's life. So when you look at that, when you give them the background of everything that happens, that one of the daughters wants to go after her future husband and move to Siberia. And we'd look at it nowadays and say, you want me to move to Siberia? Are you kidding? <laughs> you know? But she does it with faith that she doesn't want to leave her family, but she knows what she wants. And people don't know through the story that she ends up freezing to death and starving to death in Siberia. So it's, it's 
it's a tragic life, but it's not shown in the play so that you don't have people in the audience, you know, passing out tissues one to another, you know, because it's lighthearted enough, except for the end, it gets quite sad when everybody has to leave. Tell us about the balance, then, that Tevia strikes with his humor. That's critical to his character, but it helps us, too. Is he a wise man, and does he grow in the course of this show? Uh, yes to both of those questions. Tevia is obviously, certainly by modern standards, Tevia is not well-educated. He knows how to be a milkman, and that's all he was ever taught. And, he, you know, he went to Hebrew school and learned learned his Jewish faith, and he learned how to survive as a milkman, and that's it. But he is a very, I think he's a very wise man. He has enough sense to let traditions bend and let, let traditions break a little bit when when circumstances dictate. I think when we talk about Tevye's humor, there is a lot of, if I don't laugh, I'm going to cry. Uh, I, I think happens to Tevye a lot because like a lot of people in his position, he suffers a lot of misfortunes. And there's nothing else to do but laugh about it. There's nothing else to do but make jokes about it. And I think that's where, that's where his humor is rooted. Not that his humor is not funny, because in a lot of times it is, and the jokes he makes are funny, but there's a certain amount of, this is the only way to cope when things look so bleak. As happened several times when his horse is hurt and he's dragging his milk carter around by himself. If you don't make jokes about it, you're uh, you're just going to feel sorry for yourself all the time. And I don't think Tevi is willing to feel sorry for himself because this is his lot in life and it's the life he lives. What is it that we all might learn from Tevia in some way? I think, I think the most important things we can learn from Tevia are, as we've just been talking about, you do need to look at life with a sense of humor. To, to quote a philosopher, and I can't remember his name, but much to my own chagrin right now, who once said, suppose the world is one of God's jokes, wouldn't you want to work to make it a good joke instead of a bad one? Uh, and I think that's part of, of Tevia's psyche, just that sense just that sense of you can always look at life in a positive light, and if nothing else, look at it in a positive light as, as, as something funny that you can laugh at. And I think that's the most important thing, because we all suffer misfortune. We may be living in a modern world with gadgets that would have blown Tevye's mind. Even the fact that we're here talking on a telephone would have stunned him the first time he encountered a telephone. They don't have anything like that in Anatevka. But we still suffer misfortunes. We all do. Our, our lives never go exactly the way we wanted or the way we planned. And Tevye's way of coping with it is, I think, something we can all take home from this show and say, well, sometimes you play the hand you're dealt and make the best of your situation that you can, which is certainly Tevye's philosophy of life. And in, in, in the end, I think Tevye's acceptance of his situation is at times important. He has a line toward the end of the show where uh, a villager says we should, when, when they've been informed they have to leave, spoiler alert, they've been informed they have to leave on a Tevka, and when the villager says, well, we should fight them, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, Tevye's immediate response is, oh, very good. That way the whole world will be blind and toothless. And he's right. Sometimes you really do just have to accept what you're given, whether you like it or not. And Tevye's way of accepting and making the best of a situation is his... His defining characteristic and, in some ways, his greatest strength. Let me just pick up there, because you referenced it earlier, Phyllis, about leaving the village. And we have so much activity on the world stage of people having, for whatever reason, 
to leave their homelands and go elsewhere, whether it be to flee violence or hunger or persecution or viruses, things like that, having to flee in some way, becoming exiles from your home, I would think that would speak to us today. I think so, too. And as I had mentioned earlier, it's so apropos to today. They were being shoved out. They were saved because Terry had a friend with one of the Russian constables that kind of saved them from going through a terrible pogrom, which was basically when the Russians would come in and just kill off all of the Jewish settlements to get rid of them in Russia. It was right before the big Russian revolution happened, you know, and they ousted the Tsar. It was Tsar Nicholas at the time, and he wanted them all out of the country, and they were exiled. And it was kind of that set you up for the terrible uh, Holocaust in itself, you know, and shows how people are persecuted and persecuted and persecuted again. And so many people are going through that. Like you say, they are exiling from other countries, looking for a better life, or perhaps just because they're being told to leave or die. And, uh, you know, it's sad to see that happen, but I think it shows us how important history is and how we can't erase history. It's there, and we need to learn from it. And Fiddler is just one small way in which we can tell that story. We had a chance to speak with Phyllis Colombo, co-founder of DM Performance Works, director of Fiddler on the Roof at Performance Works Factory Theater, 15 School Street in Nuremberg, Pennsylvania, and John Sugar, longtime actor, director, and playwright, who is Tevia in the production. The show will open the post-COVID era at Performance Works, and it will be June 18th and 19th, 25th and 26th, so two weekends, Fridays and Saturdays, June 18th and 19th, 25th and 26th at 7 o'clock, and Sundays, June 20th and 27th at 3 o'clock. And again, it's Performance Works Factory Theater, 15 School Street in Nuremberg, not far from Hazleton. And here's the website, dmpwshows.org, dmpwshows.org. It's the 18th and 19th of June, Fridays and Saturdays. And then we have another one, the 25th and 26th, at 7. And then Sundays, June 20th and 27th at 3. For more information on the web, dmpwshows.org. Fiddler on the Roof.